This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week I spoke to Hendo, good friend. I've known Hendo now for nearly two years. Uh, we were on different platforms together. But today we talked about everything so rare, including the AMA, the quarterly AMA with Nicholas, the CEO, and Card, the lead game designer. We talked about the partnership with Golden Auctions. We answered some of your questions. And yeah, that, that's pretty much what we spoke about today. I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, and we round up, as always, with the 1.37pm game. So Hendo, you're sitting there looking like Harry Potter in the closet. We're sitting here in Ireland and Scotland, <laughs> sweating our bollocks off. It's fucking roasting. Uh, so apologies in advance to any listeners. You might hear some uh, background noise. My window's open for a change because I'm sitting here in a wife beater drinking a can of cider. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm literally dripping. It's a it's a horrible sight. Um, anyway, moving swiftly on. Hendo, how are you? Yeah, not bad, mate. That's a, that's an interesting intro. Uh, that's an intro and a half, isn't it? Yeah. yeah um, thankfully, I don't, I don't sleep here like Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. O- only work podcast. temporarily whilst whilst COVID's still rampant. That's it. Well, fair play to you anyway for the commitment to getting into the, the soundproof area for me. But um, you've been the manager of Dunfermline 1885 since the 10th of August 2020, just over a month before me. And you were a big part of the reason I joined. Whenever I first joined, I think it was you... Quinny, it was a big Scotland influence. You, Quinny and Hyvie were the ones really putting the foot in the throat and pressuring me into it. Um, do you want to give people a quick summary of your sort of first almost year on the platform and a bit about like you and then we, we'll get into it? Well, as, as you said, there's always a positive influence that us Scots have. Um, so <laughs> it started off as, as a bit of an alternative to, or a bit of a hedge, I guess, to other platforms and that's turned out quite well. Um, yeah. as they went under but yeah in terms of actually what the game brought I, th- I thought it, it, it aligned a lot better with what I was looking for um, I really enjoyed the sort of collectability aspect and sort of spoken to you about physical collecting but again it, it didn't have any utility to it so I was kind of trying to see past that and see where's the value and I guess it's sort of the same as this you need to be able to sell it on for a profit to the next person and it sort of comes in the, the rarity of the card and stuff like that and I think so there with the utility just sort of spoke to that a little bit more um, and as I delved mm-hmm. a bit deeper, I, I've definitely not really thrown money at it, so to speak. I've sort of built my collection up quite slowly and um, chipped away at it and won sort of small rewards. I've not had any any huge hits yet or anything, but I've had a couple of good wins and I sort of just I've built up from there. And I've, I've definitely felt like recently I've got better at trading. So yeah, it, it's been it's been a good journey so far. Yeah, no, you're you're very active and you were very good to me when I first joined. I remember you tipped me off about an Adan. Who I actually sold to another <laughs> podcaster, Laird, uh, recently. I bought him for like, it was like the equivalent of like 30 quid at the time when he moved to sporting. But um, that feels yeah. like a million years ago, by the way. That feels like it does, a, yeah. A, a unbelievable. Because I remember getting, I think, uh, £300 for him and thinking that was an amazing trade for a guy yeah. who ended up probably, could have got probably closer than a grand for if you kept it at peak time. But it just shows you the, the growth of the platform. and if anything, that's really encouraging in terms of you're still able to, I feel like you're still able to pick out a lot of value like that. Um, mm. It might not be on the same scale, but it could be that if, if you stick in and you wait for a bit of form or you pick someone up that you know is a quality player and they maybe come back into form, I feel like there's definitely a lot of opportunity to still do that. So 
yeah. even though the growth of the platform is maybe taking some of those like huge 10x's and x amount of months away you're still there's still definitely some room for growth absolutely and like i mean there will still be 10x opportunities out there there's definitely players that are sitting around 0.1 now or 0.08 that'll go for near an eighth at some stage maybe i'm talking bollocks and it might be like not point not not one percent of the players in the platform i'm saying like those opportunities do exist if you know what you're on about and i think a lot of people are maybe seeing the true potential of exploiting your edge and your sort of niche knowledge with the transfer window because there's a lot of action going on um like guys buying players cheap as chips who get transfers to dominant clubs within their do you know like Anderlecht signed a guy I bought him a day or two ago uh, who no one would really have wanted a while ago Benito Raman he was at Schalke I think um, I picked him up just because I have a lot of Anderlecht players and the match is obviously left now and this guy the fee they paid whatever else it's looking likely he'll play but I mean I know there's people out there who got him for half that price before me who are really focused on Belgian football and transfers. So we're seeing a lot of opportunity like this in all the different leagues. That's I think it's exciting and it shows really it's a whole part of so rare that a lot of us maybe haven't experienced because a lot of us have joined since the last summer transfer window. Do you know what I mean? Like I joined last September. I haven't seen a transfer window in full flow. Mm-hmm. And it's chaos because I have so many players who've just been getting weird moves and stuff. Good moves, bad moves and different moves. But um, it definitely. I think, the, I, think, I think the great thing it does used to be a player would maybe get a move to somewhere and, and you'd be worried and say no, he might not play here or uh, any any kind of factor that might happen. It seems that as long as a player gets a move to somewhere that's licensed, you're not actually too fussed. Uh, yeah. There's always the opportunity for them to play, and if you know the player well enough, you may be able to pick up the team's patterns as he gets um, embedded into the team. So mm. I feel like transfers are maybe there might be a little bit overhyped um in terms of especially if a player's going from one licensed league to another but yeah it can be it's, it can be a bit of a shit show in terms of we've lost like Eo Tanaka from the legend of the under 23s yeah. and he's went to the second the second Bundesliga just it's, it's it's odd moves like that that obviously they kill a bit of value but they can obviously create a lot of value at the same time so you've got to take the rough with the smooth well that's it you know because I mean people all panic but if you believe in the player long term you know you could see it as somewhat of a sabbatical and go back for, and if you're here for a long time, not just a good time. I don't know, it doesn't really work, but I said it. Um, if you're here for a long time, you can avail of those opportunities. But anyway, Ross, that's five or six minutes. We're into the podcast and we have like way too much to talk about this week for any more yeah. small talk. So let's get right into it. For anyone listening, what we're going to talk about is the AMA. We're recording this on Monday the 19th of July because it's summer here. I'm on annual leave and I'm basically busy all week. So fair play to Hendo stepping up and recording with me on a very hot Monday evening. Um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to touch on a little email uh, update. It might it might interest some of the physical soccer card collectors out there. We're going to look at a few of the questions you sent us, and then we're going to play the one thirty seven p.m. game at the end. And last week, Tackers put up an amazing score, which I'll fill you in on. Uh, and don't forget, if you leave a review on the podcast before the end of July, you need to do it on Apple. One of you is make sure you leave a handle of some description there, either Discord or Twitter, and uh, one of you is going to win a so rare merch bundle. I don't even know what's in that yet, but I've been promised a few of them from so rare. So yeah, you can get one of them. Right, Ross. I don't. I always like do this. You know, whenever there's like an AMA and you kind of just read through it all, but this isn't actually that long. So I think we can actually read through it all and kind of skip over shit that bores us and delve a bit deeper into stuff that excites us or that we think is interesting. But I think so. I'm just. Yeah. I'm just gonna ask each question, read out the answer. And then see if you've anything to add. If you don't, or if it doesn't really interest you, just be really blunt with me because time. <laughs> so, okay. um, 
First question they answer. So for anyone listening who doesn't really understand how this AMA works, basically there's a wee forum you can post questions for like a week or two in the advance of it. You can upvote and downvote there and the highest voted questions get asked and answered by the CEO, Nicholas, and the lead game designer, Carl. So what are your current highest priorities? Nicholas, the CEO, says the biggest priority this year was to find a suitable scaling solution and to successfully implement it to SoRare. This opens the door to introducing a new scarcity and bringing SoRare to football fans the world over. We will share more news on this at the bottom of the post. Cheeky little winky face he throws in there. Beyond that, we've been focusing on what is most important to us, our game. We want to make it inclusive, fun and improve our onboarding experience. Another area of focus is to build our team that will propel us to new heights. Last week, we welcomed our head of recruitment who will lead our efforts here. I read that weird. In case you missed it, we also recently opened up 16 job opportunities. Have a look. So if you want a job, it's so rare. Go and and look for a job there. Um, Remind Oh, yeah. We'll put a link to this... um, AMA in the podcast description if you want to go and have a read. Lastly, we've been working on onboarding the top leagues in the world. We'll share some very exciting news in the coming weeks. So that's his answer. Carl says, from a game design point of view, it would be this. How can I make the game as accessible, intuitive, fun and rewarding as possible for our current community and new ways of football fans? Along the way, we want to... Increase the utility and competitive value of Tier 2 and Tier 3 players. Ensure routine tasks like training are replaced by interesting decision-making and greatly improve the onboarding process, including the Rookie League. So that's it. Ross, what do you make of answer number one? Um, I think that it's obviously it's important for the game to be able to to scale down and obviously they've been talking about new scarcities and things like that. Um, it's, it's good for it to have this sort of global appeal and I think that's the kind of angle that they're going for. In terms of what, what Carl said, oh, and said, in fact, I'll just touch on, obviously, expanding the team's been long overdue. Um, I think we all know that. I think there needs to be some more support in place and I believe they've got a lot of back-end sort of development and stuff. So I think they want to make this as slick as possible um, and I think later on they never mention um, the, the initial beta stage of an app sort of thing. So being able to integrate that and I think one of the big things that would come from that for me would then be push notifications. Obviously, we're, we're, we're used to having push notifications for everything. If you had it for so rare and it reminded you that it was five minutes in an auction to go, similar to if you're bidding on something on eBay, for example, I think that would be really useful for some of the users. And I, I know I've forgotten auctions in the past. And um, it might be useful if, let's say, you, you're able to set a price for a player in the secondary market. And then as soon as someone comes up for that price, it then notifies you, something like that. That, that might mm. be interesting. Um, in terms of, yeah, increase the utility and competitive value of Tier 2 and Tier 3 players. I'm not entirely sure what they mean by that. I don't know if they mean by redistributing players from different tiers or if they actually mean that they're going to change the matrix in some way that makes lower tier players more valuable i don't really understand how they're mm. going to do that um because obviously it's based on real life performance something that so don't actually have any real uh discernible control yeah. over i don't i don't yeah. get that necessarily you you're always gonna have shit players like there's only so many good players i don't know how you make them more valuable unless you have loads of those tournaments that are like max average this max average that yeah, exactly. I guess that would increase the utility, but um, yeah, I, I think I always think with these sort of lower tier players, the value in them is knowing when they're going to play ninety minutes, for example, or mm. know when they're hitting a bit of form, so you know that you can trust to put them in the team. That's where the value in those players comes, because then it might be that if they hit a five or six game run of form, you can then go and flip them for a lot more than what you actually bought them for. And the patience was that you held on to them for that run of form, and maybe you understand that ugh, this player starts really slowly in the league. 
and then he tends to get brought back into the team or mm. he's injured at the moment, he'll come back in. That's where the value comes for them for me. I think at the moment, tier two, and especially tier three players are exactly what they are. Um, do you think they could do something? Sorry, Ross, we're like, <sighs> I've got so many different thoughts on this and I'm going to butcher them all. Do you think they could do something where, like, you know, with Division 5, for example, with this new type of card that's going to come in, maybe you're allowed one rare card with a max average of something. So Mm -hmm. there's a whole new division that those rare cards can be used in that the more elite rare cards can't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, max one tier two rare or tier tier three rare in Division 5. I think the... The, one of the next questions actually kind of I think they say they don't want to do that um, oh, okay. I, I don't know exactly but I think they say yeah. that they don't want people to like worry about higher divisions or something so I'm not sure that's necessarily mm-hmm. I think it might be I think you might be right that they'll maybe open up other special divisions for like over 30s yeah. or it might be that they open it for players with under a 40 average or something like that um, that then makes them a little bit more um, able to be utilised yeah I was going to go off on a rant but I'll save it for that when that question comes up. And then I guess um, just the other two bits saying uh, improve the onboarding process. I think that's just ongoing. Um, and they've just mm. mentioned that they're now. And then tasks like training. Yeah, training's sort of outdated, isn't it? So yeah, uh, it'd be good to get something in there that, that keeps your XP going up. Or maybe maybe mm. they make it, I don't know, uh, the training league has some sort of prize for the highest scoring team or something. Um, but or, like, yeah, yeah, but like, but training for me is for players that don't play. But maybe during the actual season, it's for players that I just don't use. I, I sometimes know. use it in terms of I think I think me and Quinny are much the same. If if we've got a player that's off season, we maybe build up the first training team to see, all right, well this is going to be my division three for Asia when it's back or something like that. Kind of use it to that and then say, all right, well I'm actually kind of short of a of a midfielder. So mm. I use it to sort of plan out a little bit. But I think just in terms of what it actually offers, yeah, I think it's a bit outdated and, and I like that bit. So look, we'll skim past that. We're gonna get into everything at some stage, like so. That's just a yeah. That's how they've kind of lubed us up and got us ready for the rest of the AMA. <laughs> when will the so rare team be releasing the schedule rules scoring for a new progression system, the academy? Since the academy is specifically being targeted towards newer players and those on smaller budgets, what steps have been taken to ensure it's as intuitive as possible? Carl says. We see how excited people are about the academy, and we also want to see, and we also see how many questions people have about how it works and its impact on other systems. We're currently testing and making changes to the final format. What's certain is that we're firmly behind the core principles behind the academy, a space where lower level man- managers can compete on equal footing, and make progress at a steady rate. We need more time to get it right, and our user research efforts will help us to decide on the final format. So yeah, they're just making sure it's right. It's better to be right than to get it out too too quick. I'm glad they're not rushing it, but it'll be interesting just to see exactly what it involves. I think based off that and based off what you said, and I think I read it earlier about them talking about people not having to worry about the the top divisions. You know, they mentioned something about people joining and not having to worry about the top divisions. We're all kind of skewed because we're in this game so early. I'm trying to open a can here while talking to you and it's not going well. Oh, got it. Um, They're very clearly trying to make it a case of, look, if we're going to get millions of people on board, it's like, say, playing poker and you go to the World Series of Poker. There's a very select few who go to the World Series of Poker. There's a very select few who play poker for millions of pounds, but it doesn't mean that there can't be people playing 15 quid sit-and-go tournaments on poker stars and what we need to realize is that if this is going to go to the millions of people there's going to be lots of people playing the game and 
idolizing or not necessarily idolizing but looking at division one division two like holy good fuck the people who have got in early enough to have a few super rares could be in an amazing position um a position that if they came two three years later to the party they would never have been in myself and yourself included i imagine um there's always going to be people with too much money particularly if you're on board and actual footballers and celebrities and whoever else down the line big rich people they're going to be competing in division one division two and whatever else but i mean the rest of us can still scrap it out to make great returns profit off football knowledge trade and all the rest have a bit of fun you know play the fantasy aspect but i think that, that that's two things i've seen already from the cma where they're kind of alluding to kind of prepping people get ready like do you know what like division one division two the amount of money that exchanges hands it is what it is and they'll the bottom line is that if that's the ceiling it you don't want that to be lower than it is. You don't want that to be ex- more accessible than it is. It actually just can't be more accessible than it is because people are always going to have money to spend. Yeah. This breaks my head when I start talking about it. Do you know what I'm getting yeah. at, though? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's too much more to add other than I think it's a, a necessary stepping stone um, for people who want to come in on, on lower budgets. And I think that that will be compounded by the fact that if they, if they can get teams competing in what is now essentially D4, at that sort of level, they've got this progress bar, and I assume that you'll be able to go down the way as well. So if they come out with this new scarcity, which we'll go on to in a little bit, um, I assume that the effect will be compounded because they are, the rewards that they're winning at that level, will then they can maybe sell that reward that's maybe not as good to them. They can go and pick up maybe five of these, we'll call them uncommon cards for now, um, at the new scarcity level, and it might just be that they actually they, they get to have some sort of part of the footballers that they actually really love watching um, a lot of people have to start at the moment it's just sort of the nature of the beast but having to start in Asia or America if they're on a small budget it might be that it gets them actually more gripped if they can actually own the players that they watch mm. week in week out um, and I think that then you'll be like right I really like that but I'd like a rare of them for example oh, I've got to step up a lot but with the progress bar then they can say well I've actually got a feasible way of getting there I've just got to sort of be patient, and then it buys into the long-term strategy of what sort of trying to be. So mm. I think it can only it can only be good, in my opinion. But obviously, the only people it sort of it sort of takes away is the people who maybe have one or two super rares, and they've got to stick or twist, go up to division three, or sort of come down to division four. Mm. Um, and I think we'll maybe see a lot of super rares sort of change hands on on that basis. But we can only know once it comes around. Yeah, and again, that maybe starts to bracket it off in terms of like Division 3 upwards is going to be quite high roller and Division 4 downwards is going to be progress bar inclusive, maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's the nature of it. Whenever you've only got 111 cards at the minute being printed, and like it's it's never going to be scalable to the millions of people. But hopefully what they introduce in terms of uh, the uncommon card or whatever can make it accessible to, to a much wider audience, um, those yeah. lower divisions. Um, can you tell us when the counter offer feature will be ready? Nicholas says we have the counter offer feature designed, but we decided to delay its release because of the new scaling solution. If we had released the counter offer feature before the new scaling solution, we would have we would have had to revisit the counter offer feature on a tech side. Once the new scaling solution has been implemented, we refocus on the counter offer feature and return it to the top of our priorities. Again, if you're listening to this and you aren't on Discord, get on get on Discord. You're just being lazy at this stage. Yeah. Um, so yeah the counter offer it's yeah i'm excited for it i think it'll be great because there, there was a guy like last night listed a, a card i wanted sent him an offer got nothing back sent him an improved offer it didn't even he wasn't even declining it to be fair he probably went to bed and this morning it was um sold 
so maybe if there was a counter offer I might have got a bit of a back and forth with him and I might have got my man but I haven't now so it's kind of like I think it'd be great but yeah, it makes 100%. sense obviously instead of have them introducing it and then having to like suspend it to edit it and then putting it back in after the scaling solution it makes sense just to wait until it's right yeah. but what I want to throw at you out of this Ross is that scaling solution has been thrown around a lot for people who don't really have a clue what a scaling solution is do you know what it is to summarise it? Because I probably would butcher it, so I'm kind of trying to put you in the spotlight here. I think the main aim of the scaling solution is that people, people, a lot of people have had complaints about how long it takes to get rewards, for example. You've mm. seen it uh, when gas fees are high, the player transactions are so slow, like it takes you ages to get your Ethereum into your balance. So if, if you're trying to look at this, let's just say from a trading aspect, and this I don't think is what they're looking for. But if you're looking at this from a trading aspect, uh, uh, once they implement the scaling solution, it should allow you to do it almost instantaneously. So you sell a card, you get the money straight away, as you would a real-world transaction, for example. Um, if, if you sold a card, like a physical card on eBay, for example, you get paid for it, and then you would send the card. And obviously, the delay then is in the other person receiving the card. I think what they're wanting to do is you get paid straight away, the other person gets the card straight away. Um, and... Obviously, they bypass it now because the person gets the card straight away. It just hasn't necessarily went through. Like if you bought a card before the deadline, you can use the card straight away. Mm, just, but it, you can't it trade it straight like, away. You can't trade it straight away, exactly. So I think what they're trying to do is, is really slicken up that process. Um, and I, I'm assuming... Really, it, sorry, I was just saying that'll really help the trading, you know, being able to buy and sell instantaneously, you know, the, the, the frequency of which people will be able to trade then. And if you're a good trader... Like it really changes the game for traders, doesn't it? Like in terms of buying and selling. Um, yeah, but, people people are one that I think about um, about sort of the liquidity in the market. I think maybe more people get involved in trading if they know that it's it's more instantaneous. It might just be a sort of uh, placebo effect. I don't really I don't really know if that will actually be the case, but mm. I think maybe it will give the illusion that if you can trade instantly, um, it will maybe get. I'm a bit more liquidity in the market. I don't really know. I think it's just it's good for the future. I assume it's it's good when they they're expecting to have the new scarcity on. So let's just say, for example, it's five hundred cards or something, and they're maybe doing them in bundles of ten or whatever uh, to be able to mint all these cards and stuff. It, it will make it actually feasible for them to do. And then, but by extension of that, it should then allow them to be able to market to more people on smaller budgets and bring more people in so basically the scaling solution is is both um it's basically just scaling the, the product to the masses and obviously being able to, to do everything else so yeah that's that's not a very good description but <laughs> there you go but yeah, there you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than i'd give very quick one and again here i go derailing the conversation i don't know if you still have or play fifa ultimate team do you i, d- I don't i don't play it either but what i did see is They've brought in preview packs. So now with their packs to try and um, circumnavigate tricky laws around loot boxes and all that shit, yep. they've basically got it where you can just open the pack if you want, but I think you have the option to preview the pack and see what's in it before you buy it. So you can essentially get the thrill of opening the pack without paying for the pack, and then if you like what's inside, you buy it. So I don't know if so Rare will take that on board at any stage down the line in terms of, I'm thinking of the lower... Um, like the all 500s if they are that or the uncommons whatever if you go trying to buy 
maybe packs and that could be interesting if they were the preview pack type things because i'm thinking of like ways they can market it and if you do something that's intuitive for these fifa youtubers and whatever else if they can do pack openings on so rare it would be amazing but again i know it's an absolute minefield so they're probably best just steering clear but i just find it interesting that fifa were doing that maybe yeah, that's something I, that could be I, I, I don't think i don't think we'll see that personally i think they've said they want to stay away from um from that side of things in the past i think they've sort of mm. um given uh, NBA top shots is like a uh, uh, as an example, so mm. I, I don't th- I don't think we'll see that personally. But I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not no, you're right. Anything. You're right. I mean, they've they've never hinted towards it. Um, I, I don't, I don't want that. to see it personally. I'm not I'm not inclined in that way. I don't really want to see that. I'd rather it be in the auction system and um, you know what you're getting, and it's 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 fair for everybody. There's no sort of edge that can be gained from from opening a pack or whatever and um, getting more than what you what is in front of you, sort of thing. So. I'd rather it stayed as it is. But yeah, I think this is what this, the scale and solution sort of adds. If they're then able to mint all these cards feasibly and it, it's it's still profitable for them, like they're not paying through the nose for gas fees and stuff, then mm. that can only be good for the platform. But yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll see packs personally. Well, the next question is, will a new scarcity be introduced before the start of the European Championships? Mm. That bastard with his loud exhaust. Get out of my estate. Uh, sorry, we won't share our date for the new scarcity just yet, but everything is designed and we're close. Once we've launched the new scaling solution, we'll share a little more on when to expect the new scarcity. I said, it just gets me every time. It's a case of getting the timing of the launch perfectly right, as we'll expect a wave of new managers who've been waiting for the new scarcity to begin their so rare journeys. Anything on that? Um, self-explanatory, isn't it? Yeah, pretty self-explanatory. I think the new scarcity's been it's, it's been chatted about quite a lot now. Um, I've I've went back and forward on what I think about it, and I, I don't really want to give an opinion either way, just because we'll only know once once it's here. And I've got I've got to have faith in the team that they can do it in a way that doesn't affect the value of the cards above it. So I'm just I've got my fingers crossed more than anything, but I do mm. believe in the in the people behind it. Yep, we'll move on to the next one. You have a bunch of players that harvest most of the rewards and cards. The gap is growing and it will be, in my opinion, the biggest limit of the game in the future. Do you think about any limitations to prevent that? Carl says, we do want to ensure the game is accessible to everyone, but we also do not want to severely impact the collections of managers through restrictions and limitations on their current galleries. We want to focus on building features that provide new and more rewarding strategies for managers to earn rewards without having to worry about managers in the higher divisions. I alluded to that earlier. It's a more positive way of ultimately getting to the same result. Decisions like this are a very delicate process and we are constantly communicating with managers from all levels to find an experience that's fun for everyone. So... Yeah, what do you think of that? That's uh, this is quite an interesting one. I don't know the origin of the question, but it would be odd if everybody was at the same the same level. If that makes sense, so you yeah. have to have people at the top, or else there's no demand for uniques. And then yeah. uniques, I would imagine, make up a massive percentage of the auctions that Sorare do. And via that is then essentially a, a large percentage of the revenue from the auctions of cards. So if there's no demand for people to want to be at the top and hold these unique cards, then that is a, that's a problem for the ecosystem as a whole. Mm. And 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 the next thing is obviously if these you're saying these players are harvesting the rewards in the cards, well they could easily they could hold these cards if it's something that they want to hold. But the byproduct of that is maybe they are more willing to sell cards, uh, like super rare for example, which then if they are reasonable enough, they can help people. They can leverage other people from different divisions. I know that I've had deals with. Um, people who 
maybe considered Wales or considered D1 players at least. Um, and they've helped leverage my collection to at least a D3 level and now towards a D2 level. Um, so I, I guess you kind of have to take that off with the smooth on this one as well, just in terms of you have to have these people at the top to balance the ecosystem and th there has to be demand for these unique auctions and there has to be people who have the money to be able to constantly involve themselves in these auctions. And then at the same time, with the progression bar only being for Division 4, for example, then... It, it then offers a massive incentive for people to stay down at that level and it also gives them a viable path to higher divisions mm. if, if it's if it's lucrative enough for them to be down there and they can then harvest enough ETH for example or they can get good enough cards that they can sell or good enough cards that can compete in higher divisions then like it says it's, it's the same they're basically looking for the same outcome but in a different way um, so yeah I, 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 it's a bit of a non-starter for me that one it it breaks my head and I just I never know what way like what to say about this the whole there's this massive I don't even know if it's massive or if it's a vocal minority but there's definitely this sense of there's a bunch of people who hate the idea of basically the people who have all the money buying the uniques buying the super rares and dominating division one division two the unique divisions but like, what what other way is it going to be unless you put like limits on the price of cards? Do you know what I mean? Unless you have like a uniques shall sell for between one to five ETH, they can't go for thirty something ETH, and then that gives like and, I don't know if exactly. You, and then and then no you remove the free element of the market, and you you exactly. then remove you you remove the fact that again it's like it's putting limits on it. So what happens if the platform grows ten X? Then so has got too much control over over that yeah. card value and stuff it's it just wouldn't work yeah. it's what, what these i don't see what these people are wanting are they wanting uniques to be available to people with 200 pound budgets and then exactly like it's it, super rare being 20 pound budgets and it is accessible to you if you have the money if you don't have the money it's not accessible to you exactly and the only thing they could do to make it accessible in life do you exactly know, like if you, a ferrari is accessible to everyone but if you can't afford one, you're not getting one. A holiday in Dubai is accessible to everyone, but if you can't afford it, you're not getting there. It's the same with buying uniques and super rares. It's capitalism. It's it's life. You know, it's unfortunate. I'm all up, but you know, it, it, but it just is not how so rare is ever going to work. You no. can't put a cap on the price of these things. And if someone who's a multimillionaire wants to play this and there's another 10 multimillionaires who want to play it and they find Division 1 and Unique Divisions interesting and swapping their cards amongst themselves, winning a bunch of super rares and... and um selling those to us peasants do you know that's just the way it is but the bottom line is people need to focus on what they can compete on they need to focus on rares and if it is so rare is unaccessible to a lot of the, like a large percentage of the population at the minute and that's where they're going with the new scaling solutions with the new scarcities with the new divisions and you just need to play within your means do you know it's like any game <clears throat> yeah, yeah it's exactly. like any I, game I, th I think maybe their their sort of long term vision is that if they can balance it right, so let's just say there's a 21 year old at the moment who's got one unique out or something, and it's went for 10 ETH. They're maybe thinking in six seven years time he'll have seven uniques, and someone might want to sell one, and the price won't keep rocketing up for each unique. Like it won't double each year to the point where they're all inaccessible. <laughs> it might be that mm -hmm. for some of these uniques, they then become available and they come down, and they'll have various different significance from a collector's point of view and stuff like that. So it's I think I think people have just got to, like you said, uh, focus on themselves. Um, and yeah. it's, it's not to say that I'm a big whale lover or anything. Um, there's definitely some things that yeah. have, have been circulated about that have all been confirmed and 
um, or all but being confirmed, I should say, and I'm not a huge fan of. But at the same time, we need these people for the, the balance of the game. So it's just it's just a non-starter for me. Yeah. We'll move on. Um, so, and I think this kind of comes up again. Oh, here it comes up again. It, it doesn't directly come up again, but it's the same type of topic. There, and this is a bit different, I suppose. There have been numerous occasions in the past where Blackpool managers have skirted and crossed some lines and no action has been taken against any of them. There are always rumours of Blackpool managers being privy to upcoming adjustments and modifications in the game that gives them an advantage. Many people might also know that both SoRare and Blackpool are funded by the same company, Fabric Ventures. So doesn't this represent a conflict of interest? Nicholas says... The allegations of multi-accounting that were shared data back, they dated back to before we fully defined and introduced our fairness regulations and before said managers were even part of Blackpool. Many managers would have not been compliant with our fairness regulations had the rules existed last year. It is simply untrue that Blackpool managers are privy to upcoming adjustments of modifications in the game that gives them an advantage. There is no conflict of interest. We proactively seek feedback from all types of managers and we're always very careful with the information we do and don't share. And most importantly, SoRare is fortunate to be backed and supported by world-class investment companies and talent whose primary focus for joining SoRare is because they believe in our vision and they want us to succeed. It's not in their interest to do anything that would damage the product or our reputation. They stand to gain far more from SoRare's success. So there's the long-winded answer. Um, yeah. What's your take on the whole Blackpool thing? I honestly, I don't think it's even worth talking about too much. It's, I don't know too much about Blackpool other than I believe they're a collection of people who want to own NFTs or they're in the crypto space. Yeah. Um, people that they seem to either have a common goal or have some sort of pooled liquidity that then allows them to buy big pieces of NFTs that are managed by different people. So for example someone going and buying like the unique bruno or something and then it's part of blackpool's essentially portfolio of nfts and i'm assuming they want to have as, as powerful a portfolio as possible um you and, and quinny do it i don't know mate uh you you're you're probably the one that would be leading us up and i think we'd be the little um no, not vultures picking picking the scraps <laughs> of the carcass mate. i'm not even saying so, like i'm not even necessarily suggesting but i mean like it's basically to what i think about blackpool like is a bunch of lads or ladies, a bunch of mates, me, you and Quinny being like, right, we're putting all our stuff into one portfolio and Quinny's managing it because you only have one manager per account mm -hmm. and Quinny's going to manage all our money. But because it's all our money, we can go up to division two across the board. And we, do you know? To, and then to me, it's like, it's, like, it's like an index fund, is it not? It's, it's sort of like an NFT index fund. You you pull all your liquidity and then they've, they've put it in to get more powerful cards, which then they are looking to... Mm. Um, churn out better rewards for example it's just yeah. I think because they're able to pull it so efficiently and obviously they have a big pool of money behind them I think it just sort of rubs some people the wrong way that they're able to come in and mm. basically take all the, all the big cards but again like, like we've already said that like, the, the interest has to be there between multiple people or else like first of all they would just pick up every card with the first bid for example yeah. so it's not it's not like they're just shafting everybody else by picking up because they're the only people with money you know what i mean they've, they've there's multiple people who compete for these cards and trade them between mm. each other and the long-term vision is that by progressing through the divisions they'll have more people who can do this organically work their way up um, yeah and I, I think that's only good and like you said they stand to gain far more from story of success i i, I totally mm. believe that if um if there's someone that's invested in in both or 
whatever. But again, a conflict of interest, I don't know. I don't know if it could even be proven. I, I really don't know. It's something see, that I, I don't know enough about the background of it, to be honest. You see, I don't know enough about it either. And I don't want people who listen to think I'm skirting around it because I know a lot of people are very passionate about this and really, like, there was a lot of stuff going around about Blackpool and whatever else. I just don't really know enough about it, but something I read today, and again, this could be absolute bullshit, and sorry, I forget whoever wrote it. Who wrote it? It was on Twitter. But basically what they were kind of explaining was that there's an investor in So Rare who's also an investor in Blackpool, and the logic is that the conflict comes because that investor might be privy to confidential information that only investors of So Rare will know. And if that was the case, he could be tipping off the Blackpool fund as such to make moves based on upcoming announcements. Do you know? But I don't understand how all that would work. I don't know how much information investors actually get. I don't know. I just don't know. You can never th- prove that. I think that's the bottom line, isn't it? We don't know, so how can the people that are saying the things know? I think it's just... It's just an onslaught. It's all hearsay, isn't it? Like, and I mean, don't get me wrong. There's many things that can happen. And if I was, if I was a big CEO of one company, and I also had an investment over here, and I got tipped off on something, would I act on it? Maybe, but I don't even know if that's how it works. <laughs> so, bottom line here is that I am not educated enough to really talk about this. Um, exactly. If anyone can send on some like hard proof or evidence or anything, let me know. I'm not. I'm definitely not. I don't have a stance either way. Um, and I guess that could be swayed if, if there was some hard evidence or something but like you said I think most of it's hearsay and I think I'm quite happy having whales at the top of the game for, for balance mm. next question why are you not marketing we've gone basically the bottom line here is um, I can't be, I, just to speed things up they're going to they're just getting everything right first in terms of scale and solutions and new scarcities and make it so that people can just get their onboarding rights so that whenever they advertise to millions of people when they go to sign up they're not going to go and be like oh jesus it's 800 quid for a keeper that's exactly why why bother marketing something that you're going to change in a couple of months anyway exactly so that's the get it right first he puts it a bit more eloquently than that um and a bit of exciting about how much marketing they will do when the time comes but that's the bottom line the mobile app when's it coming um they're not going to give us a date so but they're ambitious dates that's it um (laughs) <laughs> so like, I mean what's the point we can read all the fluff but that's the bottom line yeah. are there any concerns about the seemingly growing crackdown on crypto throughout Europe with exchanges being targeted and governments not 100% behind cryptocurrency in its current form should users have any concerns if they ever targeted crypto based platforms like this Nicola says it's important to differentiate between the different companies operating within the broader blockchain space so rare is a fantasy game leveraging the blockchain to secure and authenticate its game items. For instance, it's very different from platforms selling cryptocurrencies that need to comply with dedicated regulations all over the world. So rare is complying with current regulations and has a dedicated legal team and resources to comply with any new regulation. He's just yeah. Anything on that or like it is what it I is. I think I think this is uh in, in terms of this, we're on as customers, we're kind of on a need to know basis on this one. Um if, if we want to do further research into them, fair enough. But like you say, a dedicated legal team and resources, it doesn't mean that they'll never come under fire um, for regulations. But I think that they're quite confident that they would get around regulations or that they would meet regulations. And I think that's been a common sort of narrative since I've been on the platform anyway. Yeah. Um, because a lot of people have, first of all, started about saying it was gambling. I think that's been in an AMA before um, and, and various other bits and bobs. So, um, again, we're on a sort of need to know. And I think come back to if it ever comes up again the mm-hmm. only the only um, 
exchange I've ever heard of being banned is Binance, I think. Um, and it might be to do with, I think Binance offered a lot more um, cryptocurrency than, than other exchanges. So it might have been that they weren't complying in certain uh, to, to certain regulations. I honestly don't know enough about that. But I would say, again, if it ever comes up again and, and something's in the news about it, I think Sora are pretty confident that they would meet regulations. So I don't think there's anything to worry about. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, like I agree with you. The next question: yeah. When will you improve the transfer market? Um, nuts and bolts here. They're not far away from introducing a my transfers feature that'll help us manage our transfer negotiations, scouting efforts, and tr- and it'll give us a transaction history. Um, and after this counter offer feature comes, have a number of improvements in mind suggested by the community. Uh, well, a lot of them were. One shot league, Ross. Bottom line is, it's not returning. There's a bunch of fluff trying to make it sound positive. Um. It's probably not a positive that it isn't returning. Some people did enjoy it. I can't think of a positive reason why it wouldn't return. But to be honest with you, I didn't find it particularly engaging. Um, it wasn't for I think me. there's, there's far, too, far too much multi-accounting um, in terms of yeah. the people who were actually winning the rewards were setting up 10 accounts and stuff for a game. Professor Tanker's a scumbag, yeah. They could play for free <laughs> um, and then they could take advantage of that. So yeah, I think it just had too many issues in its first iteration. But again, I think it was, a, it was essentially a beta. So it doesn't yeah. mean that it won't come back in the future. It's just like they say, they, they, they've said that Sorier Data and Sorier Mega are sort of ramping up um, for the coming yeah. season, or it says they have very ambitious plans. So I'd like to see what they are. Obviously, the Sorier Data Cups are quite good, but I always fucking forget to do them. So mm. um, I, I think, again, I, I wish Sorier Data had a little app as well, a little push notification to remind you to do them because you always scamper last minute when you're doing lineups and you remember, oh, I've got to do them as well. So. Having something yeah. integrated would be amazing, but I can't see that happening. I think I just switched off whenever the European League stopped because I just didn't have the cards for it, so I just stopped entering things. And a yep. lot of leagues just started around then. A lot of like people started leagues because it was starting to become the norm, sort of mid-May, and then it was like, oh, well, let's compete with my lack of cards. It just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. But um, bottom line, yeah, one-shot league. Sorry to Professor Techers, you won't be able to try and retain your, your title as champ. Um... But you might be champion of the one thirty-seven pm game unless Ross can dethrone you. We'll get to that. Are you going to leave the 0.1 ETH and 0.02 ETH rewards after the summer to keep the game attractive? Please rest assured that monetary prizes will remain an important part of your gaming experience. In fact, we're looking into ways to increase it in a healthy way to ensure that the reward, uh, that their reward experience week by week leads to more exciting progression that sounded weird to me I hope it didn't sound as weird to you our goal is that after the summer so rare will be a far more attractive proposition for passionate fantasy football fans yeah happy enough Ross or do you want to talk about it I think it's important to keep them but I mean like he's pretty much yeah. said there'll always be a monetary reward there yeah that that's fine with me I just don't, I'm not sure about the wording of uh, a far more attractive proposition for passionate fantasy football fans I don't really like that sentence but I don't want to dwell on it too much. It's just a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 bit I, I think, dead on I think we're fairly well compensated already. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's more so. Uh, I don't. We don't want to get into the realms of it being a ridiculously profitable thing that can't last. Um, and I feel like a lot of the changes that have been made recently, with prizes and prize pools and various other things, have, have been very, like, overly generous. I would say. To the point yeah. where I think when we, when Europe's back, I think we're going to have a lot of happy people. So I think let, let's hope they're talking about that rather than anything else. Mm. I would like to have the possibility to borrow the missing card from one or more players or for 
Jesus question is weird. I would like to have the possibility to borrow the missing card from one or more players for one or more game rounds by paying. <laughs> I think you mean a, a, a one alone one player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can currently borrow cards from other managers as long as the transfer falls within our fairness regulations. An official loaning feature isn't currently on our list of priorities, but we are monitoring how managers trade cards with each other and all your feedback to find new feature opportunities. We're also introducing a new scarcity that presents a great opportunity to managers to build new strategies and make improvements to their squads. So basically, forget about loans for a bit. Is your plan to reach mass market by creating a new rarity or increasing the number of card in circulation or do you focus on consolidating a niche community? I'm going to skip this one. I don't really like that question because I think we know the answer. If you've listened to any AMA or any communications from them before, you know they want to get to millions. So I'm just going to skip that, Ross. When will the training and tournament UI be improved? This year. I'm just going to stop there. Read more if you want to. The link is in the description. Do you plan to make it? If you can't tell, Ross... I think we're getting tight on time. (laughs) Do you plan to make any revisions to the current scoring matrix? We fully understand the importance of the scoring matrix for fantasy football managers, especially those that are stats-driven. We'll give plenty of notice ahead of any changes we make to our scoring with complete transparency so that our community can plan accordingly. We have taken note of the most popular feedback and areas for improvement and we're currently testing them. We will share more news on this in the coming weeks. So yeah, I talked a bit about the matrix last week with Professor Tecker's um maybe and, and he brought up some of the most commonly debated things um the, the only ones i can think of i mean i, I think the score matrix is actually quite great um it, in is, terms yeah. of it, it, it really it gives everybody a chance to to be able to score well the only ones i hate is the possession lost i don't know if it's for goalkeepers but definitely for defenders because it kills yeah, fullbacks so yeah. badly um and then the the winning of the penalty like <laughs> yeah they have to score the penalty to get the um the penalty won points i'm not saying it necessarily has to be a decisive action but it could be like if they win a penalty they get five points straight away as opposed to the at the moment they have the person has to score the penalty for the for the person to get the one penalty points but he's, he's won the penalty whether they've scored it or missed it so i don't get that um, yeah and it's, it's cost a lot of people in the past but i think at the moment it's a decisive action because they get like a assist or something like that but maybe maybe downgrade it a little bit and, and put it into that um all-round action yeah I think in terms of the scoring matrix, I'm going to skim past it because I discussed it last week, but it's interesting to hear your thoughts. But what I find interesting here is that they're going to share more news in this in the coming weeks and they are testing things. So what we can take from that, I think, is that there will be a change at some stage. Um, so but not, then, not a wholesale change, I wouldn't imagine. Just not a wholesale change. And it'll tweaking. be a fairly communicated, timely change, Ross. But I think if you were to speculate, you can see the things that grind people's gears a lot and maybe there's an opportunity there. If you can project who will now be better scorers if they adjust common issues the community has do you know what i mean like this loss of possession what fullbacks will become better scorers etc etc um are you planning on adding new clubs and national leagues of course our goal is to welcome the top 20 leagues in the world we're working hard behind the scenes building partnerships i leave the guests the club clues to them we've already signed but we've already signed deals with two entire leagues it's also a good moment to say that the launch of these clubs and new season cards for current so rare clubs won't coincide with the beginning of the european leagues we need to wait for the clubs and leagues we work with to have their own media days and to send all the player photos to us two entire leagues they've signed deals with now um, They've said that one is uh, one is covered by SO5 and one isn't. Yeah. Um, I think someone had covered maybe mentioned... Inter- Sorry, when you say it's covered in SO5... So, for example, mean... the, Greek, the, the Greek League isn't covered by SO5, yeah. so a lot of people have sort of rumoured that, whereas like the Scottish League is, for example. 
which is yeah. something that I would love to see. So a lot of people have been speculating on that basis that it might be a Scandinavian country that's not covered um, and that it might be, I don't know, let's just say Scotland for, for the for the sake of easiness, which is obviously what we all want. Um, yeah, well, yeah. But again, it could, it could be France to fill out that league. It could be Portugal to fill out that league. That would be good. Um, I think everybody would, would open that, uh, would accept that with open arms. Um, and then maybe the other one might be like the Ukrainian league that we've already got Shakhtar, for example, but they're not necessarily covered. They're only covered in Europeans. So to we'll get that see. full league on. And then, uh, yeah. Sorry, I kind of butted in there a little bit. I was going to say, I wonder, like, I'm looking up Shakhtar. Uh, I wonder, like, have many Shakhtar players risen in value or anything off that? Like, are people speculating? Do you know that maybe they'll be added? Well, I've got I've got a super rare that I picked up recently, so I, I hope so. Someone, um, you're you're a whale with inside information, Ross. Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, one of the, I'm one of the Blackpool lads. I'm, I'm here hey, all along. Steady, steady. You're gonna get some bad reviews in this podcast for fuck's sake. Hey, you said you said it, not me. I didn't know you were gonna mention it. Maybe need to edit I, that one out. Hey, uh, so what is happening on Wednesday? This leaves us with our final bit of news. Our scaling solution lands on Wednesday. Woohoo! Over the last few months, it's been a number one priority. It opens new doors and opportunities for SoRare in our community. We'll share further details on this later today. With this new solution, you can expect player card transfers and rewards in a matter of seconds. This will allow us to review our game week schedules and lock-in time so that managers know when to log in to discover their well-earned rewards. It's also the key foundation needed to introduce our new scarcity, opening the door to football fans over the world. World. that's it um, I think they answered a bunch of questions underneath afterwards we'll not get into those people you can go and read the, the blog if you want um, it's on reddit actually I'll put the link in the description of the podcast so yeah two new leagues scaling solution come on Wednesday all kind of starting to look I think I think it looks good I think the landscape looks well going into the next season I like it I'm, I'm excited I think all in all positive I don't think there was anything that caught anyone out. I don't think there was, like, maybe people were bigging up on AMA a bit more than they should have. I mean, it's not like they, like, we've been on platforms before, I think, where announcements or Ask Me Anythings or whatever were scheduled around big announcements and you yep. knew then that something was coming, whereas I think they just do it every quarter, do they? Yeah, they do it once a quarter and it's always it's, it's so always um, community-driven. So it's always the most yeah. upvoted <clears throat> questions from the community. So it's always going to be the things that yeah. are most topical to the people at that point in time. And I think that's why you see a lot of the ones that actually get repeated because, again, they've said about the app, for example, the app's been asked in like probably the last two or three AMAs and they're just saying, we're not putting a date on it because we don't have anything definitive, albeit yeah. we're looking to bring a beta out in an ambitious time. Like It's very vague and it's stuff like that that, again, because it's been upvoted, they've probably got to answer it. Um, but some of the other things that I think a lot of people would have wanted answered would have been answered there. So, um, yeah. all in all, I think they're they're beneficial to do. <clears throat> Absolutely, I, th- I think they're they're great to have. We've got a few wee snippets there. Uh, the two new leagues, whatever else, the skill and solution common. I think as soon as that skill and solution's in, they're going to really prioritise getting those new cards out to make it accessible. They maybe go into next season, up the market, and whatever else. I think 2021-2022 season could be special for so rare. I really do. Um, but yeah so we'll move on from the AMA uh, be interested in what people think about it you know you can let us know on Twitter or wherever um, and we're going to talk about one quick thing we're going to answer a few questions and I think we're, we're laughing then so golden auctions have basically got so rare cards for sale so for anyone who doesn't know golden auctions I could go and look up what they actually do but what I know them for is basically big Ken Golden pumps the shit out of some 
um, physical soccer cards and sports cards in general. So basically, Big Ken takes really, really elite, you know, like one of ones, one of fives, autograph cards, and he auctions them off and he pumps the shit out of them to a bunch of different channels and gets great prices. So So Rare sent an email out today saying that they've partnered with Golden Auctions, the leading sports collectible platform, for a drop of twenty-two So Rare cards, the starting lineup from the Belgium and French team during the Euros. Um, why partner with Golden Auctions? There's a massive interest in soccer trading cards on the platform, and we believe so rare cards can break new records there. It's the beginning of a wider expansion plan in the US. So, it's the beginning of a wider expansion plan in the US is an exciting sentence alone. Um, and on top of that, I think it's great getting these. Again, the big Ken Golden talking about them gives a level of recognition. It, 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 it Bigs up the reputation of so rare. It probably adds a level of just I don't know authenticity um to so rare cards, and I think it could really get some of the more I don't know like physical card collectors involved. If that makes sense, I think it's a positive little thing just to add in. Um, any yeah, thoughts the, on the, that? The only thing I really took from it it was a little tidbit, and it's the, it's the very bottom line. Um, because I don't know anything about the physical card space or anything like that. I did see the little slick video that they put together, and I do like that. They basically emphasise the fact that they've got France and Belgium on because they are the top teams in the world, and uh, they're, they're literally number one and two prior to the Euros. I don't know if they are anymore. Um, and it says, why partner with Golden Auctions? There's a massive interest in soccer trading cards on the platform, and we believe so rare cards can break new records there. It's the beginning of a wider expansion plan in the US. So mm. that's an interesting little line, I think. Um, obviously, don't want to get too excited about it, but I think it, it shows you the intent of where they kind of want to aim. So yeah. we, it's, it's an immature product, but they're obviously looking at a more mature market. Um, mm. And I think US sort of soccer cards are, I, I don't know, but I'm assuming they're kind of the pinnacle. Um, it's, it stemmed from sort of baseball cards and, well, and basketball cards and stuff. Absolutely. And did you see something I seen recently was that more people in the US watched the Euros final than they watched like was it the NBA final championship final or something? And you're looking at how much money it's now costing to become a franchise in the ML in, in the United States and stuff like that. Like so- yeah. soccer soccer is getting big. It's getting pretty big. Uh, it used to be what, like the eighth biggest sport mm. or something, ninth biggest sport in America. It's probably like maybe fourth or fifth now. And with mm. the trajectory it's going, it could be competing especially with the size of the stadiums and stuff, it could be competing with those those sort of big boys, the um, NFL and NBA and stuff like that. World Cup 2026, baby. I'm telling you. I think it's between the US and Mexico. It is, Canada yeah. US, as well. US, US, Canada and Mexico, yeah. North America. I'm telling you, like that's going to be huge. That's going to be huge. Get your Jonathan... Like, that's why. That's actually one of the big reasons I bought Jonathan David. Um, I just need my, my Fonzie. But... Um, yeah, just wanted to touch on that. So that's an interesting partnership, and it's uh, it's great. I think it's it's a very small thing, but again, all these little things add up. I think that is a positive for so rare being associated with Ken Golden and him pumping up the prices. Um, right, end up with a couple of questions, and we we'll wrap up. All right. Yeah, go for it. In the Jay Fraz wants to know in the AMA, so rare team stated that they wanted to increase the utility and competitive value of tier two and three players. Now we kind of touched on this. How do you think they could approach this? I just want to give Jay a shout out. We did kind of touch this earlier. Um, maybe more tournaments around those like caps of scores and stuff. I don't know if they can do almost like you mentioned it briefly. Was it offline? Like remember, Footstock used to have like a stat roulette thing because you mentioned something about retired players, did you? What was that? Well, 
I, I, it wasn't exactly. I think you'd mentioned the you'd mentioned footstop, but it was more about they'd they'd said in the little comments afterwards that they were looking to bring utility to retired players because you were yeah. talking about Ronaldo. So I don't think it's I don't think it's quite the same topic. I think you've got a, a wee bit mixed up. What but, I was saying yeah. is, sorry, you mentioned the retired players, Jay, and then I'm tying this all in in a really convoluted way. So basically, you mentioned the retired players and how they could add some utility. We discussed maybe you could like play almost like a top trumps game of like players' statistics over their career. Yeah. How do you actually win in that? I don't know. Can you take people's cards? I don't know. I'm not risking my Ronaldo over a stat roulette type thing. But where I'm going with this is if they did have a something like that, which probably becomes a little bit too gambly unless the payout or how you actually win it off someone or if it's a league or how it works... Um, unless that's tinkered massively it probably just falls a bit too gambly but I'm thinking like if those tiers, tier 2s and tier 3s could be used in even like a squad building challenge do you know like a squad building yeah. challenge do you know build a think- team of full Anderlecht players to get a limited edition um, or like okay I'm going to go Bruges because everyone wants a Hans Vanneken to get a special edition Hans Vanneken card then all of a sudden everyone's scrambling for the dodgy Bruges cards defenders that don't really play yeah. to get the limited I, edition hands do you know what I mean I, I don't I don't know how it would work but I'm sure again it's it's one of these things you have a bit of faith in, in the people who run it and, and see what happens but in terms of what you said yeah I, I don't really know about the about the tier 2 and tier 3 having more utility apart from in, in, this, in the special weekly but I think it's, it's still an underutilised division and it, it doesn't mean that the special weekly couldn't be like multiple special weeklies that mm. cover different sort of disciplines and different sort of parameters and things like that so I, I don't really know um sorry sorry Jay Fraz sorry Jay Fraz yeah it's just it's a hard one like god knows I'm excited to see what they come up with right yeah. two here uh Bob Flynn wants to know what are the tax tax implications on so rare or for so rare NFTs we're not going to get into that um but Ross plug yourself you have a YouTube channel yeah I do um I've only actually got that video on it so but I am looking to make some time to maybe make some more content so yeah go over there I think it's just Hendo so rare yeah so i link that in the podcast description if you want to know a bit more about tax on nfts now ross talks about it from a uk standpoint i believe um but go and give it a listen um so yeah there we go uh bob flynn also wants to know what our thoughts are on the rain delayed game in the mls this week is there anything that can be done to help owners when stuff like this happens it costs me uh a super rare in the weekly thanks guys i think it's just a shit one that's a kick in the stones, but again, it's uh, it's unforeseen. And I think they've just said about um, with the scaling solution, it will then allow people to know, like, right, you're getting your reward at 10 a.m. in the morning. So it's actually going to close it off even more in terms of they're, they're going to they'll shut the game week off and you'll have your reward like straight away. So there'd be no time for going back and then playing mm-hmm. a postponed game. Say it ran into the next game week or something. I think you've just got to take it as a as a sort of as again a kick in the stones, and then sort of say, well, I've got that game to be rearranged yeah, so I can use that the game hand, like... it's it's so harsh when it happens and it's the same as having like a random DMP like you have yeah. somebody midweek and they've got a strong game and he just happens to be dropped for no apparent reason and stuff like that it's, it's just I, I think it's just a nature of the game and again I think all these sort of platforms that ever come up DFS and things like this in that nature people talk about subs I think it's part of the skill being able to research the predicted lineups and mm-hmm. when you get a random DMP you've just got to kind of take it on the chin and just say do you know what I was unlucky yeah Get a meteorology degree and start predicting the weather and, you know, you should be on your way, (laughs) Bob. I think it's a tough one, like, because the other side of it is that someone is buzzing. The guy who got the super rare is buzzing that your game was called off. So, you know, rough for the smooth and all that. There'll be a week that 
Like I've had weeks where different player games are called off and it was jackpot. I think I had no Juve players one week before and it might have been a week when I got like a tier one card because no Juve players played and it was just like Quinny, brilliant. Quinny spoke about one before and this is just something that I think is worth putting in because it only take a minute. He put a random team of like five rares, I think when it was, it was you remember when the power cap was the thing? So it didn't go by like you could, you could only, you had to have five super rares to enter division two. It was just, you had a maximum power cap so you could enter five players that were like well below the cap and end up every game got postponed apart from like the one that he'd stacked. So you end up, I think he won a super rare out of that division with five rares and I think only like four of them or three of them played because literally mm-hmm. like every game in the game he got called off apart from one. So this was like well early doors like a year ago or something. Yeah. And, uh, he ended up leveraging, re- leveraging that super rare that he won into like another super rare and a rare Carlos Vela and he still got the super rare and the Carlos Vela. So... From his little rare team, it wouldn't. It would never happen now because of the way that it's structured. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Just at, at that time, he ended up leveraging that. So, um, I think if he if he got one in the future where he lost a super rare because of uh, weather or something, he would then say, ah, "Do you know what? I've 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 taken the good bit now. I've got to take the bad with it as well." So that's it. But yeah, look, thoughts with a little bit. Thoughts, thoughts are with, with Bob you Flynn. this tough yeah, time. Th- thoughts are with you, my mate. Like the, that's a really tough one, as as Russ says, that's a kick in the stones. <laughs> Marco Sullivan has given us a thinker here that I should have thought about more before I started reading it. What kind of effect do you think a 10-game loan system would have on the economy of the game? What kind of effect I, do you think that would have? I don't, I don't like loans, so I don't really want to talk about it. I think it would just... I, I honestly don't know. I just You don't like I don't loans? Know. You You don't like the idea of loans? Not not on not on a huge way, no. Not in terms of like, oh, I'll give you this this player and I'll I'll start making sort of like interest off the player or something. I just uh, not for me. I'd rather have like the the whole point for me is is having the, the true ownership of the card. I think, and I'm not saying I've never loaned a player to like fill out a squad before, but it's never been like it's never been one of a, someone that I know like they're big players and it'll just be like I, I need a defender for this game week. Oh, he, here's one that I'm not using. All right, I'll actually give you what the defender's worth. Like I'll buy him off you for this game and I'll, you can buy him back off me or something like that. I think they've yeah. already said in, in the AMA that that's okay, um, as long as it fits within their guidelines, so that you're not like giving someone five ETH worth of players to, to put in. They're managing them for you for a week, and then it would come back. So I think it would just it would create quite a sort of artificial system where people don't really... It gets away from the ownership of the cards, I think, especially mm. with a 10-game loan system. Um, I don't know what you think. I don't know. I, I... Fuck. I just don't know. I'm not qualified to answer that. Like, you know, imagine, imagine you could I, loan a unique for ten games, and then you become a D1 player for ten games, but you've got to pay it back, think, and it might I not pay off, ten, and you've paid an ETH for the for the privilege and stuff, and you've I never owned the, the card. And the ten game and the long term nature of that commitment takes away the opportunity for a lot of the jiggery pokery. Like, if I was to lend you a guy for a week, there's no problem with me lending you a guy for a week. We're allowed to do that, but I just lose half my XP, which is the kick in the stones so it's yeah. like but like the 10 game loan system it adds value to players that are loanable so that the premium players that people want to loan it'll still add value to them less people will be able to will be buying them i don't know I think it clue well like i've just said imagine you you loaned a unique player for 10 games right so you've never actually truly owned the player but you can use it to then win players that you truly own as in having full ownership of you maybe pay I don't know, let's say you pay an ETH for 10 games or something to, to loan this unique and let's say you win nothing so you've spent the ETH and you don't own anything. I think it takes away from what the game's trying to be so mm. I don't I don't really like how it would affect it to be honest and it's not Jeez. something that I'd, I'd be keen to see. 
Mark, I want if you ever come on the podcast, I'd love you to answer that one. I might throw that back at you. What do you think will be a more collectible? What do you think will be more valuable to collectors? Number one rare card or the same shirt number? I, I did something during the week, Ross. I did something during the week, and you can call me a fool, and I think it's a foolish move, but I just did it, and it worked. I had a Bubakar Kamara 20, 2020, 2021 card, so the red one, and it was just a random number, and I sent an offer. I seen a guy had him on the market. It was his rookie Num- card. Number 4, 1920. Number 4, 1920, and I offered him 0.02 on top. Ah, you're a rat. You're a rat. I'll tell you why, because I was going to do the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got one as well and I was I, I thought it would I thought it would look for more than that to be honest but I had no do you think you see I don't know what to think about it I don't know if I've been mugged or if I was the mugger because the thing is it's Bubakar Kamara I mean in terms of actual physical sports cards coming back to that with Big Ken Golden the defenders don't have like Bubakar Kamara's rookie card would not command any sort of price at the minute if you go and look for it on eBay so like who the fuck is going to be collecting Bubakar Kamara's card? Maybe if he becomes a Virgil van Dijk-esque figure or a Sergio Ramos, do you know, maybe then. But I was thinking, like, I've just given this guy 30 quid to have the shirt number of Bubakar Kamara's rookie card. Do you know what I mean? And I was kind of like, I just genuinely don't know. I kind of sent it in a flurry and then he accepted it. And I was kind of like, oh, fuck, wait there. Who, who won here? I've mentioned this before, I think, on maybe Quinny's YouTube channel. I think it only matters at the moment if you build some like a story into the narrative of when you're selling a player. So I've I've went out and bought his number four from his rookie year, which is his number, and he's went on to have this career or something. He's kept the number four at every club he's went to and stuff like that. Yeah. This is his rookie card, and I've got it up to max experience, and he's got great utility and blah, blah. Like If you build a story into the sale, it can only really help, I think. Um mm. Because it, it might just be like a wee cherry on the on the top, or like I've got yeah. the one of hundred. I think I, I've picked up like the one of hundred Brenner before because, uh, and I paid so much more than what you would pay for the twenty three of hundred, for example, because that is his true first actual card ever. Like it's undeniable that that is the first card that was ever sold of him on auction on so rare. Mm. It's the first like major card. It's, he's only been in Brazil, so it's the first like card outside of Brazil that he would ever have anyway and if he goes on to be a big star and it's the first one that was ever sold some I feel like someone is going to buy into that narrative um yeah. and obviously that that is essentially what holding these cards are all about like you could do yeah. the exact same with the, the unique is the only true one of one for example but if you've got the one of 100 and you build it into some sort of narrative then I think it's got some merit but in terms of answering the actual question I think the I think the one out of 100 is probably more desirable than the uh, it depends. A certain number, unless the player has Ronaldo. like a really, I yeah. If it's like Ronaldo and it's got the number seven serial, then yeah. yeah, I'd rather the seven there than the or one. Like, to be honest with you, exactly, exactly. Or you had a Ronaldo from back in the day that had the number nine at his first season of Real Madrid or something like that. That might mm. that might be worth more than like he's one out of a hundred for PSV when he was not that well known or something. Yeah, I honestly, I honestly don't know. Like, obviously, you, you can only think. This is what's amazing. Like, mm. I, don't, I don't think a lot of these players back in the past. It's like, are these actually like were they that good as players, or do we just have nostalgia attached to them that these cards will have attached to them in twenty years time? It's like we don't know because it's mm. it's impossible to tell. But like like you've just said, if you've got that little built-in narrative from the start, it maybe makes them more valuable in 10, 15 years time if if that's when you're going to hold them to. So. Here's a weird one for you. Talk about derailing it again as I was about to close up. Do you know the way when we were younger we collected like Pokemon cards and stuff? You're a yeah. bit younger than me, but I was big. I was like I was like six, five, six years old when Pokemon. No, I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was big, yeah. I was all about it, right? Um, 
and now Pokemon cards are worth everything because of the nostalgia. Do you think there's a chance that because of how digital kids have become and because of how fay they are with like phones, computers and tech, that in five years, in two years and however long, kids actually can spend their pocket money and they're buying NFTs to play online games as opposed to the physical cards and do you think that in 20 years time some of these games be it Axie Infinity being whatever could have the nostalgia attached to them that we attach to Pokemon cards yeah why not I think that's mm. that's sort of what you're buying into I think if if you're only here short term you only want to make a quick buck that's fine because I think the way that the, the growth of the sort of the NFT space is going I think you'll be able to do that in most projects be able to get in quickly and get out I think this is something that, that Gary V's talked about a lot you sort of say if, if, there, if there isn't something organic and sort of that, something there that's not tangible but you know what I mean it's something that you can buy into then the project's just going to fail in the long term mm. I think he said that like 95 96% will fail because they've got nothing like that I feel like so it's, it's already like I've said it's, it's essentially appealing to a mature market but it's an immature product and it's, yeah. it's a new sort of slant on it so we keep talking about, oh, I've bought this Bubakar Kamara, it's his rookie card and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, but there'll only ever be that one card of his number four from his first ever year. So if you look 10 years down the line, like you said, he's had a great career, there's only going to be one of what you've got. Yeah. If someone wants someone wants to buy it off you, they can go and buy the number five or they can go and buy yeah, the Bubakar number 55. Could on, or, Bubakar could be on so rare by then. He wants his, exactly. his shirt he, number he want, from his first he season. He wants his shirt number from his first season or something because he, he wants to look at it or something. And I think that the other thing that, NFTs maybe will buy into later is like being able to display them. So I think a lot of people like to display their physical assets. If there's some way to display your digital assets and but like, like people yeah. has it. Yeah, like I don't know, like if you had a watch or something that fucking popped up and you've got all your NFTs in front of you and uh, this is like digital world in mm. 20, 25 years. But like people, does people not have it where like the QR code and all pop is there and whatever else and the name of the piece of art and it's in this like little frame and I think it's essentially like a fucking iPad that just displays the the image but it's like always on and there you know? quite possibly I think I think it's the exact same as having like if, you, if I think someone spoke about this before if you've got like some sort of rare armour on League of Legends or something or you've got some sort of rare card on FIFA or something and someone sees it and then it's like a, it's sort of like a status symbol to like I've got this and you don't or mm-hmm. something you're going to pay me more than what I paid for it if you want it and it, it yeah. then becomes can you it's like under 23 collect- keepers now <laughs> exactly can you collect those assets <laughs> <laughs> yeah Right, we'll take one more, but we'll fly over Sav 2000's one. Do you give a shit about the whole Blackpool thing, or like me, do you think it's just repetitive drivel from the same old whinging accounts? <laughs> I think the second line's a bit cutting, but bottom line is, I don't really give a shit. I probably should give a shit, but I don't really give a shit. Um, I concur. <laughs> yeah, we'll gloss over that. And then to wrap it up, Josh Forth, you know this will be a good lesson. I hope it was, Josh. I'm sure you boys will have enough to get stuck into the AMA. We certainly did. But would you rather play D3 with five high-power rares or two mediocre super rares in the available slots? I think we know the answer, but interested to hear the reasoning. So would you rather go five rares or three rares and two mediocre super rares? Well, Depends that's what an mediocre interest. is. Exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's medio- a mediocre guy that scores 50 every week because I'd probably take the mediocre super rares because you, if you've got the star rares to put around them, then I think by having the lower variance with the super rares I think you work out better because mm. I think and the odd st- chance of a peak like exactly yeah these mediocre guys they might like their mediocre might be 50 but their peak might be 70 so then compared to a star rare who's mediocre 40 but their peak's 90 I think they're better to maybe have the rare and then put the captain on and then you'd have the lower variance for the super rares who have got the bigger multiplier and then like you said if they hit a 70 it's actually more like 100 points or something like that yeah. um, which to get 100 points from a star rare would be 
it'd be very good going with their bonuses yeah. and stuff. I think that question's all about how you define mediocre. Like for me, if it's an average of like 40, but they always get 40 to 45 and every fifth week they score a 62, it's kind of like, oh, geez, I don't know. That's a tough question. If you've got three star rares and, and then your super rares are tier threes who either don't get 90 minutes or they score 35 to 40 every week, I would have the five star rares. Star 100%. rares every time, yeah. That's a tough one. That that all kind of depends on how good the rares are and how mediocre the super rares are. So there's no real one answer fits all for that, I don't think. Yeah. I think that's very much case dependent. But look, that's it. We actually got through all the questions this week, which is brilliant. Um, thank you so much for submitting them all. And to wrap us up, Ross, I just need to let everyone know, Professor Tackers scored an incredible 131 last week he got Gabriel Arias got a 68 and Eugenio Mina scored a 63 for a total of 131 basically his whole plan went perfectly so 131 is the leading score at the minute Ross if you can beat it we're going for game week 135 because we're recording on a Monday Um, or did we say we're going for 136 186 is it not 186, that's the one. Good man, keep me on track. I think I've got heat stroke here. So 186 uh, is the game week you're going for. Um, you've got 131 to beat to win a So Rare merch bundle and some 137pm merch on top that you can rock with your friends. So Ross, talk to me. Uh, well, we've got... I think we are both a bit excited when we looked at it because we've got the return of Europe, essentially, haven't we? Well, hey, uh, Siren. Emily, if you're or, there, you can put a klaxon on that. But, yeah. <laughs> well, at least we think we think we do we think we do um, yeah we so, think so <laughs> so I think what we went with is uh, Vanekin I think he's got a nice home fixture so we're Big hoping for Vanekin. like a yeah we're hoping for a high 80 um, I think he's he, he's been playing he'll be back on set pieces so got him. and well he's done well last week but he's, he tends to get in the 45 minute went for Brenner from Cincinnati not sure who his fixture is to be honest I just that's just a flex He's just quite tidy, uh, and he's been he's been, he's been bubbling away, John. He's been bubbling away between his forties and forty fives, and then he, I think he had an eighty two this week. He's been downgraded to a seventy seven, which is annoying because I've got him in a nice little um, lineup that's on for a star there. So I think if I slide any more, I'm going to be in trouble. Um, so you're kind of hoping for an Alvanic in ninety five or and a wee forty five sort of job. Yeah, we're 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 hoping for around there. We're hoping, we're basically uh, it's 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 been at home for Vanekin, so we're thinking big. We're thinking big. We're thinking Hopefully, big. comes back with hundred. Actually, that'd be um, lovely, wouldn't it? That'd be really. It would nice. be good. It would be good. He'll be part of a big lineup, I'd imagine. Yeah, but um, Ross, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've been an hour and fifteen minutes now. Is there anything you'd like to say before you go? Do you want to give yourself a bit of a plug? No, mate. Yeah, just like I said. Um, have a listen out if there's any content and stuff I'll be posting it on Twitter first but hopefully try and grow the YouTube channel a little bit it will be sporadic I think with the with the uploads but hopefully people enjoy what's what's being put out and obviously thanks for having me really appreciate it nope thank you so much for joining me and I'm sure you'll be on again down the line um, hope so mate everyone the links are in the description go and check them out and uh, yeah thanks so much for listening I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it with Ross. Uh, the AMA was a bit heavy, but you know, there's a lot of really, really good stuff there. And I think based off that, the partnership with Golden and a few other things coming out around the community today, there's a lot to be excited for going into the summer. Um, and yeah, look, look after yourselves. Have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Bye.